The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Jan Black. Our topic on this episode is food and how it affects our mental health. Joining us is journalist and food expert Mary Beth Albright, who is the author of the new book, Eat and Flourish, How Food Supports Emotional Well-Being. Mary Beth writes about food for the Washington Post, and her resume also includes being a food attorney, food judge, and finalist on Food Network Star, where she competed on Iron Chef America. Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Wow, you're digging deep back there for my bio. I love it. <laughs> you have such an amazing background with food. Tell us why you decided to write this book relating to how food supports our emotional well-being. Yeah, and it, it's so important to just go back to that that fundamental nugget that food and emotions are entwined. And we can get to that food mood connection and we can know how to use it. Or we can label it emotional eating and just deny it. And so what I am thrilled to be doing right now is bringing food and emotions together in a way that um, we all know anecdotally they're connected, but bringing the hard science in is very important. So about 15 years ago, I was at the Surgeon General's office. I was working there and I saw a um, study that omega-3 fatty acids uh, have effect uh, alleviating aggression in in people. And that was the first time I had seen this real hard science with micronutrients surrounding food and our behavior. Because I think, Jan, do you have that that experience that, you know, you're you're you you don't feel well and you eat something and you maybe feel a little bad afterwards, just physically, or you eat something and maybe you feel a little more capable of right. eating, of, of of managing your life, right? Of having emotional well-being. And so the, the research started piling up, the hard science um, and peer-reviewed evidence started piling up, um, including a report that the Western diet was associated with a depression and anxiety in women, um, and that early life trauma and stress uh, is connected to gut issues, um, and, and that those gut issues and their depression could be alleviated by having beneficial bacteria in your body. That's like yogurt and fermented foods and that kind of thing. And some of the effects were equal to or greater than the antidepressant Lexapro. Now, I am not suggesting that anyone throws out their Lexapro <laughs> at all. This is a tool in, in, a, in the toolbox um, that we have to address our mental health and our emotional well-being right now. And I think we all need all the tools we can get. Yeah, there are so many different questions that that I have for you. Um, but but tell us more about what we need to know about the brain and gut connection. Yeah, so the gut and the brain are connected. It's a loop, as I was saying at the beginning, it is a loop that sends signals back and forth. A lot of people, when they think about the nervous system, think only of the brain and spinal cord. And that's the central nervous system. And that's where a lot of our consciousness comes from. So yeah, you would think of that. 
but, but there's a, there, there are all over our body peripheral. There's a peripheral nervous system. And part of that, our gut has its very own nervous system. And a lot of people call it the second brain. A lot of scientists and experts call it the second brain and it's the enteric nervous system. And that, that system, what goes into our gut influences the signals that get sent to our brain. Uh, and so, and the brain, what's happening in the brain sends signals down to the gut, which influences what we eat. So you really need to look at the body as a system, uh, not just a container of parts, right? That, that the entire time our gut and our brain are talking to each other and influencing what we eat and how we feel. And then what we eat influences how we feel and how we feel influences what we eat. So it's really that loop that people need to get, uh, get information about. So just so that you know about what's happening inside of your body. And you say our brains can build up a tolerance to certain foods, in particular, if we eat a lot of foods that are high in fat, sugar and salt or things like processed foods, our brains don't experience as much pleasure when we eat them over the long term. Yes, that's right. And this is why it's funny because when I was writing the book, I had there there are four um there are four main things that we talk about with the gut brain connection. And one of them, the, the all the evidence shows is pleasure, is food pleasure. And that's really important for our emotional well-being, anecdotally and according to neuroscience. We need to have pleasure in our lives to have that well-being. And so what I wound up doing was making pleasure the first chapter because that science is so um, is so strong that pleasure is a type of nourishment. So what you're talking about is a, 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 something I did with a researcher at Stanford University, um, and his name is Eric Stice, and his entire career is around um, looking at how the brain reacts to different foods that it gets. And uh, one of the things that he does is he sends people through functional MRI machines. That's an fMRI and feeds them in the fMRI. So of course I knocked on his door. I showed up and I was like, Hey, <laughs> I want an image of my brain. Don't, you know, I, I, I also made an appointment. I didn't just show up, but, um, but I showed up with uh, a bottle of wine and a, a cup of just pure kale juice. And cause he, he, Eric Stice feeds people milkshakes in an fMRI to see what their brain activity is. And the more you eat milkshakes or the more you eat ice cream, the less pleasure your body and your brain get from it. It's really interesting. And at the same time, and you can see this, you can see this in fMRI imaging. And I think I did a video about it for the Washington Post. It's online somewhere. And you can actually see the reactions in my brain, right? Um, and and the, the curious thing about this too, is that when you eat a lot of ice cream, let's just stick with ice cream for a minute. You uh -huh. eat a lot of ice cream, your brain gets less pleasure from it. But at the same time, your brain is more attentive to ice cream clues, or excuse me, ice cream cues that make you think about ice cream and want ice cream. So for example, if you're driving by a Baskin Robbins, an ice cream shop, or a Haagen-Dazs or Ben & Jerry's, if you're, <laughs> listen to me, you can tell I like ice cream, right? So you're driving... Right. You're driving by, I mean, I could list like 10 different kinds of ice cream right now. Um, if you're driving by an ice cream shop and you eat a lot of ice cream, you automatically recognize it, right? Your brain goes into attentive mode and your body wants ice cream more. So it's like, it's again, it's like this loop. And then we did, we did the same experiment and the same imaging with kale juice and wine. 
And your brain gets more activated by things that you don't have as often. And so the, the, the moral of the story is that there are a lot of things that we can do um, that are that are little um, things, a lot of things that chefs do too and in restaurants, but there are a lot of things that we can do at home to increase our food pleasure and bring emotional well-being into things that we eat that also have nutrients, that also fight inflammation, that kind of thing. And we get into all those in the book. Well, what are some of the simple things we can do? Eat with someone else. Um, I go into something, something called the feast paradox, which is it, you know, we, we often think of eating more food as uh, having less good health outcomes, right? Right. Worse, worse health outcomes. Um, the feast paradox is that people who eat in groups, people who eat with other people, eat more food in the sitting. However, they also enjoy better health. And that's because there are things that are happening when we're eating. So, for example, the release of dopamine. When we eat anything, anything at all, if you if you drink a you know a, an insurer, um, you know a, a, a sort of something just for sustenance, your body is releasing dopamine, and that dopamine helps with bonding. And bonding and good relationships, we all know, are extremely important for good health and well being and and mental longevity. And so, if you're so, for example, if you're eating with somebody and you have this dopamine being released, you can bond with them greater. And, you know, we have an epidemic of loneliness in this country right now. The current Surgeon General um, ha has said that. And every time we do reports or studies, people in, in America and, and now worldwide, people report that they are close to fewer and fewer and fewer people to the point that I, I, I don't remember the exact statistic right now. It should take a look at it. But um, there's a great percentage of people in America who say that they aren't close to anyone. And so using a food as a tool for emotional well-being is just as important as using the nutrients in that food. And we talk about the nutrients in the book too, but using the pleasure that can come with that food and, and how that can improve your emotional well-being is just as important. We're glad you're part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners, and we're excited to tell you about Lomi, the world's first smart waste appliance. If you've struggled with composting and feel it's too much work or feel bad that you're not doing your part to help the environment, you have to check out Lomi. Lomi is a countertop electric composter, and I love it because I don't have a traditional garbage disposal. With Lomi, I don't need to take a lot of trips to the garbage with food waste. I just turn food scraps into dirt with the push of a button. And in just a minute, we'll tell you about a special offer from Lomi for our Nobody Told Me listeners. I love my Lomi because just about anything I'd put in the kitchen disposer can be put into the Lomi on my countertop and turned into dirt in four hours. There's no smell when it runs and it's really quiet. Since I got my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. Me too. And you know, I think it's cut down my kitchen garbage by at least a half. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, my Lomi turns my food waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. It is so cool to see. 
I feel great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of garbage. I have a basically limitless supply of dirt now for my garden, and Lomi is so easy to use. While you may want to get a Lomi for yourself, you may also want to get one for someone on your holiday list. This is a great gift that will help someone year-round. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com NTM and use the promo code NTM to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash NTM. And again, that's Lomi spelled L-O-M-I. Use promo code NTM at checkout. Food waste is gross. Lomi is your solution. With the holidays just around the corner, Lomi will make the perfect gift for someone on your shopping list. Just head to Lomi.com slash NTM and use the promo code NTM to get $50 off your Lomi. So along those lines, I'm wondering what insights you've gained about the relationship between food during the holiday season and our emotional health. Well, that's really important because we all know that you can be in a room full of people and still be lonely, right? Or you can be at a table filled with people and you're you're walking a tightrope. Um, the entire yeah, time. and it's stressful. So I, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, so that that is one meal out of the year, right? And a lot of people think about for a lot of people, and this is another it's another statistic for a lot of people. That's the only meal that they eat with other people all year would be Thanksgiving. Sometimes like a a winter holiday, a December holiday too. But in America, a lot of people, it's the only one that they sit down and eat the meal with with other people. So I think the the best thing to take away from that is that eating for emotional well-being, all of the science shows is an eating pattern. It is not eat this one food and be better forever. It is not eat you know, uh, ultra processed food all the time and then have a few goji berries and you'll be fine. Right. It it is an eating pattern that has to happen day after day after day. And it's, I mean, in a way it sounds exhausting and in a way it's really freeing because you, it's not, it's not a prescription for a diet. Right. Um, because all of this, the most interesting thing I think as, you know, somebody who has had food and weight issues in my life, um, it, it's really interesting that all of these effects happen independent of weight. The, one of the most uh, significant, um, uh, one of the most significant studies was something called the SMILES trial about five years ago. It was done in Australia, and um, a third of the patients, when they switched from an ultra-processed food diet to a Mediterranean diet, and that is, you know, produce, beans, legumes, fish, healthy oils like olive oil a third of them went into remission for depression symptoms. Again, I'm not suggesting you throw away your Lexapro or anything, but it is a tool and it's a powerful tool and it's an evidence-based tool. And so those kinds of, um, those kinds of food mood connections are really important for us to know right now and to look at um, how we can improve. You know, people are so focused on weight and especially in December and January and stuff that all that the, the depression remission happened without any weight loss. Now, weight loss may happen, it's fine, but but taking the focus away from weight loss, which is something that causes people a lot of um, not emotional well-being, is it seems to be really important according to the science. What about things like 
smelling meals cooking in a home. What Ooh, kind of yeah. an impact does, does that have on our emotions? Oh yeah. Jan, you're talking my language right now. <laughs> All of those things. Well, you know how, like when you're smelling, when you go to visit a house, uh-huh. a open house for a house for sale, they always have something cooking in the oven. They always have like a nice candle burning or something like that. The, this go, I'll go back to this. The fastest way that researchers were the, the, the first way and one of the fastest ways for researchers to induce depression in animals to do research is to remove their olfactory bulb, to, to have them remove smell entirely from their, from their, uh, from their senses. Wow. And th- yeah, I know. And this, this happens with humans too, that when, when people lose their sense of smell, and there's a lot of research uh, 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 with this going on around COVID, obviously, but when you lose your sense of smell, um, there's significant depression that goes along with it because the smell is connected directly into those memory centers of our brain. It's, it's like, in a way, it's the most powerful sense. And so ha- cooking yourself or having something cooking in your home rather than just ordering takeout, I mean, even if you don't, it, it, it's, it, it, there's evidence that shows that cooking is the best way to improve your food pleasure. But if you can't do that, and I understand everybody's extremely busy, even just heating something in your home, even just putting takeout on a plate, you know, these are little things that can really increase your food pleasure. What about working with your hands in the kitchen, like chopping vegetables or shaping dough or, or meatloaf? Does that also impact us emotionally? I call it breaditation. <laughs> that it is, it, it, because making bread, I got to tell you, sometimes just just sitting there and like pounding into a dough that feels really good sometimes um but it but what's interesting is that is 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 it uh in, sort of instigates a, a meditative state of mind and that meditative state of mind activates something called the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve is an is a bundle of nerves that's connected directly from our gut to our brain stem i mean there's nothing in between it and so when you meditate, you're activating that vagus nerve. When you're needing something, when you're, when you're cooking something, you can activate that vagus nerve too. So these are all, again, just techniques that we can take and put, and put into our everyday lives and have a different why surrounding them. You know, people talk about cooking because, you know, it's pleasurable and it's my form of relaxation. For some people it is, and that's amazing. But for some people, it's real work. And it's like something that, that, you 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 feel like sometimes you're setting yourself up to fail or you're cooking for kids and like they don't like it and all that stuff i think it's really important for us to have a different why than just serving other people and you know we we talk a lot about how important family dinners are for young people and for kids they're really important for adults too regardless of whether you're with your family um that that group meal and that group setting and all the things that we say about our kids oh they should get involved in cooking because then they'll eat more vegetables or whatever all those things apply to us too we, we are we are we are adults but we are all humans and it's that it's it, all of those fundamental primal things that surround food uh are relevant to to adults as well as kids now what about even shopping for food going to the grocery store going to a farmer's market does that have an impact on us positively as far as our emotions are concerned? Yes, it does. And I like to say this to people because some people are like, oh, I don't cook, but I can put together a really good like charcuterie plate or vegetable platter or whatever. 
And to me, you know, in the food community, it's like, well, maybe that's not cooking. What is cooking? Really? You know, <laughs> like those kinds of things. But um, to me, you know, if you see somebody on the street with a great outfit on, that's a skill, right? You're curating what is out there into something that is the best thing for you. And I believe that curating food, whether you're going to a farmer's market, whether you're going to a local butcher, whether you're going to a regular grocery store and spending 30 seconds to pick out the best head of lettuce, that's going to affect your enjoyment of food. Just like, you know, if I see somebody with uh, with, with shoes on that, I mean, you know, it's, 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 to me, it's the exact same thing as, as curating an outfit. Our nobody told me conversation continues as we tell you about paired the relationship app for couples. How does it work? Well, you and your partner download the app pair together and every day paired gives you questions, quizzes, and games to have fun, stay connected and deepen your conversations. It's simple and often hilarious and heartwarming. Each day you get a quiz to play or a question to answer, and you can't see your partner's answer until you answer yourself. Whether you're just a few dates in or have been together a long time, it's time to lighten the mood and have fun with your partner by using Paired. My husband and I have been together for decades, and we really enjoy using Paired. Let's face it, you need to work to keep a relationship fresh and growing, and Paired helps a lot with that. We love the questions Paired asks us to answer about each other, like what's something you admire most about your partner and what's one new activity you could try together this month? If you're in the younger age group and have a newer relationship, Paired is a wonderful way to get to know someone better. You might really like the Paired quizzes about managing jealousy, saying sorry, and gender roles at home. Try it out to spark meaningful conversations with your partner every day with fun, research-based conversation starters. Paired has hundreds of questions, quizzes, games, and tips curated by acclaimed relationship therapists and academics. And Paired has a special offer for our Nobody Told Me listeners. Head to Paired.com nobody to get a seven-day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. Just head to P-A-I-R-E-D dot com slash nobody to sign up today. Connect with your partner every day using Paired. A happier relationship starts there. Just head to P-A-I-R-E-D dot com slash nobody to sign up today. Get a seven-day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. What kind of an impact does eating at a regular time have on our mental health as opposed to grazing all day long or having a midnight snack and and, and just kind of being all over the map with, with our food. Yeah. And it's interesting because I'm really interested in intermittent fasting as somebody who goes to bed super early and wakes up super early. I'm sort of like, yeah, it won't be a problem for me. The, 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 the research on intermittent fasting and its effects on emotional well-being are still the jury's still out on it. There is mixed, um, there's mixed research about that, about whether it has a positive effect or no effect at all. And you know, I, to me, a lot of this depends on you, your schedule, what your body wants, that kind of thing. Because it's um, you know, it, uh, there's so much cultural surrounding food. There's obviously the biology of it, and that's a lot of what we talk about, but then there's a the culture surrounding it. And 
we all know that when we put ourselves on restrictive diets, it can really mess with our emotional well-being for whatever period of time we're on them. And so, um, so the the information and the science on intermittent fasting uh, is still is still out, uh, and maybe that'll be in the next book. What message would you have for parents in terms of? helping their children develop a real healthy, uh, mentally healthy attitude toward food and, and diet? Our culture right now focuses so much on what to eat. Um, the, the sort of uh, people who um, eat, as I said, ultra processed food all the time, and then want to say, okay, now I've had a leafy green, so I'm fine. All the evidence says that it's about having a healthy pattern, a healthy dietary pattern. And when you have that dietary pattern, it can handle stresses like, you know, Halloween or a box of nerds at the, at the movie theater, right? Like those kinds of things. And so as, as with a lot of parenting, it's about the consistency aspect of it rather than like the big explosive moments. And that's what the science shows. So that's the that's the what to eat. Again, we want to look at the how to eat, and that includes cooking. That includes eating with other people. That includes food rituals, like saying grace. There's a lot of uh, science around um, having food rituals and how that will improve uh, your enjoyment of food. Um, and what I what I do with my son is just com- continue to try to bring him back to whole foods. Um, because if you, if you try to go back to whole foods and that means, I mean, that means actual plants, I I, I have nothing against plants, plant-based things, but actual plants like, you know, an apple (laughs) or a banana or, um, some berries. Like if you can get your kid to have those whole foods and to have a good association with those, um, that's a a lot around the, what to eat, Uh, excuse me, the, how to eat, um, and you know, get them involved in cooking. These are these are things that you've heard before, like getting kids involved in cooking, and you know, having them have a healthy dietary pattern. But again, there's a different why, and there's an urgent why. And the why is because we have this crisis of mental health in this country and globally um, that we really need to use all of our tools to address. So I would say. Uh, number one, pattern. Number two, how to eat. And number three, get in touch with your emotions. I mean, even if you can just say, I'm sad, or I'm happy, or I'm scared. You know, I, I go into the four basic human emotions in the book. And, um, and uh, because they, ch- they change your nutritional needs. Um, so for example, when you're stressed, your body needs more magnesium. And so just to like know and label what your emotions are, Uh, is really important and particularly for kids. What should you stay away from if you're not in a good place emotionally? Uh, You know, it's, it's funny because as I said, um, the, the ultra processed foods are what we really see a problem with. And there are some Americans who ultra processed food accounts for 70 or 80% of the, of the diet. Now in the book, I get into um, the uh, different level, like what is an ultra processed food, right? Because in a world where 
you know, all most of our food is processed in some way. I mean, yeah. if, even if you just look at like whole wheat flour, that's a processed food. You mean it went through some processing to become flour. Yes, it's whole wheat and that's great. But um, if it, you really need to look for those, it's, it's the, the kinds of things that you hear about fried foods, constant fried foods. Again, you're not staying away from fried foods entirely, but you know, fried foods, cured meats is not great, are not great. Um, so it's, it's the, it's the standard kind of things that you hear about refined sugars that, that cause your blood sugar to spike and then go down that, um, that the sugar in your blood will go into your uh, cells and cause oxidative stress in those cells and will damage those cells. And the byproduct of your body trying to address that damage can get past what is called the blood brain barrier and get right into your brain. Um, And that's something new that we've only discovered in the past 20 years is that the blood brain barrier allows really damaging things into the brain if we if we eat the wrong foods. We thank you for being part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners. And we want to take a minute to talk about Hover, one of our sponsors. That's Hover, spelled H-O-V-E-R. Have you ever thought about starting your own business or creating a brand, sharing your wealth of knowledge with the world, using your years of experience to create something for yourself? Hover wants to help you take the first step in getting your ideas off the ground. If you have a brand that you've always dreamt of building or a business you want to take online, the first step is finding your domain name. Hover makes this super simple with a clear and straightforward user experience, easy to use tools, and truly amazing support from friendly humans. You'll be able to find the perfect domain name for your business, one that's memorable, relevant, and boosts your brand. You can buy a domain, set up custom email boxes, and point it to your website in just a few clicks. If you ever run into trouble, help is just a phone call or chat away. It's never too late to step up to the plate and share what you have to offer. Getting online has helped thousands of people around the world reach new heights with their businesses. In addition to the classics like .com, you can get extensions like .shop, .tech, and .art with over 400 more to choose from. Secure, simple, and reliable. Hover is a trusted and popular choice amongst millions of people launching any kind of brand or business. If you're ready to get your idea off the ground with the perfect domain name, head to hover.com nobody to get 10% off your first Hover purchase. Maybe you want to buy a domain name for someone as a gift for the holidays. You may even want to secure your child's name as a domain name for privacy purposes. Again, that's hover.com slash nobody to get 10% off your first Hover purchase. That's hover spelled H-O-V-E-R dot com slash nobody for 10% off your first purchase. What kind of an impact does chocolate have on our emotional health? Because that's you know, kind of a stereotype that you hear people saying, oh, I, I, you know, I had such a rough day. I'm just going to, you know, have a box of chocolates tonight. Uh, yeah, I, I, I might, I might be saying at the end of the day today. So <laughs> um, on book release day, no, I will not be eating a box of chocolates tonight. But the, the interesting thing about chocolate is that a lot of people who eat chocolate will eat milk chocolate, right? Because the mouthfeel and the sugar content is milk chocolate in milk chocolate is higher and the mouthfeel is really great because it melts really quickly in your mouth mm-hmm. um and people might find dark chocolate which has health enhancing benefits um 
people won't eat that because they feel like it's chalky or chewy or just doesn't give the same pleasure. Um, and there are a lot of really interesting studies done around chocolate. One of them is that if you eat chocolate that's only round, <laughs> that, that it doesn't have like hard edges, the mouth geometry makes it less pleasurable. So if you eat round chocolate, even if the chocolate doesn't have a lot of sugar in it, it's going to taste sweeter than if you have rectangular pieces. And these are things that chefs know. It's a whole field called neurogastronomy. It, it, it's basically like gastronomy and neuroscience combined. And um, I go through, in, in, I get into a lot of interviews with um, a gentleman from Yale, a, a neuroscientist from Yale, who that's his entire um, course of work. That's all of his research is on neurogastronomy. So um, uh, I get into a lot of that in, into the, in the book about different tricks that people and chefs will use because their entire livelihood depends on people really enjoying their food, right? Yeah. Is it worth it, do you think, to keep a food journal and to try to determine your, your emotional state and what you're craving as far as food is concerned? Sure. And it really depends on your relationship with food journals. So if you have a relationship with food journal that every time you, you tried to lose weight, you would keep a food journal, then you might have a, a, a not so great association with food journals, right? But if, if, you can, if you can keep a food journal without feeling like you're you know, keeping tabs on yourself or whatever, if you really do it, with an idea of curiosity, um, a curiosity about yourself, curiosity about how different things will make you feel. I think it's an amazing tool, an incredible tool. Um, and, and, you know, what I just had this candy bar. How do I feel? I feel anxious. I feel jittery. Um, or I feel really content. I had this candy bar and it was amazing. And I, you know, I'm sitting by a fireplace and I'm relaxing and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, it, not just what you eat and how you feel, but also what you're doing while you, um, while you're eating and while you're feeling right. Cause we're all feeling right. Everything every day. Tell us about the four week plan that you have in the book. Sure. What well, was really important for me, I'm, I'm a single mother and, uh, you know, I have a full-time job at the Washington post and, um, it was really important to me to have, to take all of the science and put it into something that was usable. And so I go through the four things that we need to think about when we're eating for emotional well-being. That's pleasure, nutrients, inflammation, and the gut microbiome. Jan, we haven't even talked about the gut microbiome. That is so important. <laughs> um, so, so all of those things, um, they're just little tips and things that you can that you can do, even if you, even if you don't want to drastically change the way you eat. Like, let's say you know, cause you, when you're, when you're feeling down or when you're feeling tired or when you're feeling stressed, it's hard to change the way you eat. And I want, and, and that is scientifically proven. And so I wanted to fold all of that into the book and that reality, rather than just saying like, you know, have some walnuts and you'll feel better. That's not the way it works. And so having this four week plan and coming to the end of it and being like, hmm, how do I feel now? And, and if you keep that food journal, you might, you might know a little bit better about how you feel. Like that's, that's a tool to get in touch with not only your, your eating, but also your emotions. And so that four-week plan, um, it, it, to me, uh, has helped me a lot. 
And, you know, at the, I might go through the four-week plan again in January, you know, after, after going through book launch and going through the holidays and stuff, I might be like, hmm, I need a little, you know, I need a little bringing, bringing myself back to the path of eating for emotional well-being. Because the, the really fun thing about this is that with all my background in public health and with all my background in policy and journalism, I, I am a member of this community. I need this help, right? Um, and that is, I've been through a pandemic. I've been through a recent divorce. Um, my, I, I, I'm helping a sick parent right now. All those things together, it's a lot. And we all have, it's not the misery Olympics. Everybody has something that is going on right now. And so just coming back to, to food, just coming back to it again and again, um, even if you feel like, you know, you weren't eating for emotional well-being for a little while, fine, just come back to it because it's a pattern. It's not perfection. And I think we all know that the pursuit of perfection is one of the most surefire ways to mess with your emotional well-being. Yeah. Yeah. And given what you have learned in, in all of your years of research on this, you must not have been surprised at all when during the initial stages of the pandemic, people were baking bread at home and posting it on social media. Yeah, that's right. And one of the one of the people who was generous enough to give me a blurb for my book is Jose Andres. And if there's someone who knows the power of food, the power of a hot meal over emotions, that it, that that's that's the person, right? The person who's going to places that have been devastated, to people who have lost everything. And I think a lot of us felt that way during the pandemic and even if we, in addition to that, there was so much food insecurity and still is. Um, and one of the most important parts about eating for emotional well-being is that it is cost of it, it, it. The studies show that it is lower cost than eating a traditional Western diet. So those people in the smiles trial that I, that I mentioned before, who changed from an ultra processed diet to a Mediterranean diet spent less every day on food. And, and that's, a, that's something that people think about all the time is, you know, if I'm buying fresh food, isn't it going to be more expensive? And there are all kinds of upstream policy issues that need to be dealt with on making fresh food more available. But downstream where we are now, that's what we need to go after. You know, Mary Beth, our show is called Nobody Told Me. And we always ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So what is it that nobody told you about the connection between food and eating and mental health that you learned the hard way that you'd really like to pass on to others? That you can be a person who loves food and who eats for emotional well-being. Because to me, eating for any kind of health was always associated with weight loss and deprivation and you, that that's not the that's not the path and to me that was such a freeing message and how can people connect with you on social media and the internet and learn more about your your work yeah yeah so um the book is available wherever books are sold right but um on my website is marybethalbright.com and i'm on twitter at marybeth and instagram at mary.beth Perfect. And I'm all over the place. I mean, I'm at the Washington Post. I'm always writing stuff. And, you know, I'm always out there. Well, great. Again, we thank you so much for joining us, Mary Beth. This has really been a lot of fun and definitely insightful. 
Thank you so much, Jan. Again, our thanks to Mary Beth Albright, whose new book is called Eat and Flourish, How Food Supports Emotional Well-Being. And her website is marybethalbright.com. I'm Jan Black. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. 